When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Breaking news from The Athletic. This is 77 Minutes, a Dallas Mavericks podcast, part of The Athletic Podcast Network, and Kyrie Irving is a Texan. I'm Tim Cato. I'm here with Oscar Guria. I'm here with Mike Pellucci. Does this qualify as emergency? I think this is an emergency podcast. <laughs> I mean, we're potting on a Sunday, so it has to be an emergency. I will say, I was having a lovely, quiet Sunday, and now here we are. So, make of that Me what too. you will. Yeah. But um, I think our Sundays have uh, turned upside down a little bit. First reactions. Kyrie Irving is a maverick. Uh, the deal sends out Spencer Dinwiddie, sends out Dorian Finney-Smith, sends out a first-round pick and, what, two second-round picks? Yeah. And yeah. coming back, Kyrie Irving, instantly the best player that Luka has ever played with, mm-hmm. uh, the most talented teammate he's ever had the second star that the team has been looking for, that they were eventually going to swing a trigger on. A, you know, a player that has many, 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 many questions. Um, you know, foremost, will they resign him this summer? Hard to believe they did this deal with the idea that they're not going to resign him this summer. Yeah. But we'll get into all of that. First reactions. Kyrie Irving. Oh, and Markeith Morris is also coming back in the deal. Um He's probably going to play more minutes than JaVale McGee the rest of the season, but Oof. that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Kyrie Irving is a Dallas Maverick. One of y'all, what do you think? It's a, it's the best player the franchise has ever required. During, especially during a season. It's, they've never required someone this talented. Um, they instantly have the best backcourt in basketball by a pretty significant margin. And they have a, they have a legitimate second star and someone who's playing Really good basketball right now. Kyrie's, I think he was averaging like 34 points a game in his last 10 games. He's playing some of the best basketball of his career. And if he can continue to play basketball, this will be a great move if he plays basketball. But the basketball part is, it's a great fit. It's a great fit alongside Luka. Allows them to uh, restructure their team and restructure their roster. Um, But it's it's a, a swing they had to make. Mike, this is the best offense in basketball, right? It, it, you know, we talk a lot about the Luca on, Luca off offensive numbers, how they're the best offense with him on the court. And when he's not on the court, uh, they're the worst. Kyrie instantly fixes that. In a lot of ways, he is just a better version of Spencer Dinwiddie, both when Luca's, both when he's playing with Luca and when he's not playing with Luca. And, and it's really hard to see that this is not, going to be the league's best offense. Um, yeah, and it's imagine. kind of it's kind of funny that we can live in a world in which that's probably true, and also that this trade while acquiring Kyrie Irving didn't actually big picture help their ball handling problem because they had two ball handlers before and they have two <laughs> ball handlers now. Obviously, the quality jump from Spencer to Kyrie is enormous, but yeah, I mean, it's it's... Yes. If this all works... This is spectacular. 
but <laughs> uh, do we do we want to get into all the buts right now? Do we want to get into how it's never worked anywhere and why there's reasons why this might not here work here and that a Mavericks team that already had too few players they could trust now turned two players into one player they could trust? Granted, again, that one player is much better than the two that they gave up, but they're down to what, six guys? Seven? I haven't counted. Six guys, give or take now, that you would actually trust to play real playoff minutes, Um, which by its very nature, as Tim, as you alluded to, you do not make this trade unless you re-sign Kyrie Irving. And and for the record, if they don't, it will be the most tragic comic thing to have ever happened to this franchise after the last two years. But you're probably re-signing Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving knows you're re-signing Kyrie Irving, which means you're giving Kyrie Irving the four-year max. And that is when all the questions will start. Because whatever you think of this deal, whatever you think of Kyrie Irving, whatever whatever suspicions you might have, I'm pretty sure the rest of the season, it will be spectacular. Kyrie, since the suspension for spreading anti-Semitic propaganda uh, via a documentary that, you know, depending on what your mileage is or isn't about how, how much Kyrie actively endorsed this, it is a documentary, retain that. Uh, if you really look at what the documentary is about, it's not that thinly veiled regardless. He was suspended. Since he has come back, he has been a model citizen. You have not heard a peep from Kyrie until the trade demand, and he has played incredible basketball. I would bet my life through the end of this year, maybe there's a blip, maybe there's you know a small thing, but big picture, I bet Kyrie plays great ball towards the end of the year. I bet everybody is hunky-dory. I bet Kyrie gets that four-year deal because Dallas has no choice, and he knows it. And once that happens, who knows what happens from there? Maybe this is different. People grow. People change. Rasheed Wallace was once a malcontent until he went to Detroit. If anyone won a title and everybody loved Sheed, right? Maybe that happens here. Maybe this is Nick Van Exel who had a bad reputation until he came to Dallas. And even though he didn't stay long, Nick Van Exel is an asset in Dallas. If Kyrie is a great fit here, Kyrie is the second best player on a title team. You already had the best player on the title team. That is excellent. But once he is locked in for four years and there is no incentive other than Kyrie's internal compass to play nice and to fit in and to be the fulcrum of a great team for a long time, you are then betting against everything you have seen for the last 11 years across three different cities and various winning situations. And that is the biggest, yes, this is the biggest talent they've ever acquired. This is the biggest gamble they've ever acquired because if you keep him and he destroys this locker room or this team or wrecks the vibes, whatever term you want, that might cost you Luka Doncic in the end. It could keep Luka Doncic. It could cost you Luka Doncic. Yeah, I I think that's the place to go. And I, I want to hear what you think, Austin, about the idea that Kyrie Irving, you know, this is the player they're making an enormous gamble on Luka Doncic's future in Dallas on. A few things before we get there. A few, you know, putting my reporting cap on, Tim Cato, reporter at The Athletic. I will say, I, I don't know for sure. I, I cannot say for sure that a four-year max is guaranteed. I think that is the I think that's a good working assumption to make. As an analyst, as somebody viewing this deal, it is very hard to believe that the Mavericks traded for Kyrie Irving to not resign him. Whether there is a certainty, whether there is a understanding already in place that the Mavericks are going to sign him to that this summer, I do not know that. Um I cannot say that with certainty. I can say that when you talk about, you know, how many players the Mavericks trust within a playoff rotation on this team right now. Um, First of all, 
I would be shocked if there is not another move made before Thursday's trade deadline. Second of all, I my understanding is that Brooklyn really liked Josh Green. And to the degree that they pushed for him to be in the steal, they certainly would have loved to have him in the steal. And the Mavericks feel very good that he was not a player included in the steal. I think that applies to a degree about uh, Jaden Hardy. Um, but I think it's mostly about Josh Green. Things I've heard, you know, just initially here is that, you know, a lot of people around the franchise feel very good that Josh Green was not a player included in this, even though, and maybe on this pod, we won't go into it enough, but we do need to give Dorian Finney-Smith his his laurels, his flowers for everything he's represented to the uh, to Dallas. Again, That we may get into that a little bit later on, maybe on another podcast, uh, but shout out Dorian Finney-Smith. But absolutely giving up, two players who are trusted in a in a postseason uh rotation uh and to exchange them for one you know i think the initial question and it's really hard to answer until this week concludes is the upgrade that Kyrie irving represents on spencer dinwiddie does that outweigh the downgrade that it represents to not have dorian finney smith on this team um i i think that's that's just going to be the big question we take into the coming days as we see what the Mavs try to do, because they will be trying to do something. They are trying to do something. We're just going to have to see what that is. But let's get back to Kyrie, because I think the big question with Kyrie is all of the questions, you know, like, like he's a man with a lot of questions. And if the working assumption, which I think is fair, is that the Mavericks are going to resign him uh, this summer. What is, what does that gamble mean for the Mavericks and for Luca specifically? As the team goes into the future, they were always going to only have an opportunity to trade for somebody with questions. You know, if, right. if someone like Pascal Siakam uh, became available, they were not going to outbid teams that wanted him. That's like the perfect fit in a lot of ways. But Kyrie Irving is not, uh, obviously, there's, it's very easy to see his fit as well. If he's on the court, if he's playing like he is, you know, even beyond off court stuff, he's got a long injury history. You know, like th- there's there's a lot of questions here. How's that for a gamble? What do you think? What what do you what do you make of that, Austin? You know, just the idea that this is the player, this is the gamble, this is the time right now that they decided we're going into the future, and it starts now. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a it's a gamble they had to make. They didn't have a lot of other options or avenues to get to acquire a player of this of this caliber. And it is a gamble. I think well, the thing about Kyrie and the questions around him are what is what is Kyrie like like a coworker as a, as a coworker? Is he coming in? Is he talking to people? Is he communicating with the the organization? Is he is he going to take days off? Is he going to show up? I think those are the things that people have questions about. I think what's really important here is that this is a Nico Harrison trade. This is a Jason Kidd trade. This is where this is why they were hired. This is why they're brought in here, and they're going to have to make this work. And Kyrie has a very long history with Nico. He has a long history with Jason Kidd. I think he has, there's a lot of mutual respect between the two there, which I think is important for this relationship going forward. And so, and also I think Kyrie knows that if he doesn't make it work here, like that's, that's going to be pretty much it for him being an NBA player. If he has any sort of like dust up, any, anything weird that goes on, like that's, it might be his last stop. And it's, it is, it is a gamble because you really don't know what could go wrong. I think, for a lot of other NBA players, you're like, oh, maybe it's an injury, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. It's really unforeseen. His, his the reason why he missed games last year because he was a, a COVID 
vaccination that no one could have foreseen. But it's again, it's Kyrie and he's very stubborn. He's going to do things his own way. And you don't know what that's going to apply to. You don't know what variable is going to come in that maybe causes him to miss games or maybe causes some friction between him and his teammates. And so it really, it's going to take Nico and kid managing this relationship and making sure that this goes well. But okay, yeah. So and I think, and, and I think as on, on Friday, I reported, you know, that there is hesitations about how Kyrie and Luca would, would mesh. I, I think to, to be very specific about basically my understanding, what I was told, you know, the, the conversations I've had, I don't think there's any concern that Luca is not really excited about playing with Kyrie Irving. It's questions about if Kyrie is not able to play basketball for non-basketball reasons, how much patience he would have about that. And I think that is a clear question. And once again, reflects back on Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison, having this relationship with Kyrie and having trust that they can get, you know, the stubborn player to be, you know, to maximize him and what he represents to Dallas. Yeah. I mean, here's look, there are two main things based off that, that I think are worth exploring. One is, you know, Austin, when you talk about that, if this doesn't go well, this could be his last shot in the NBA. Who's to say he cares? This is a guy who, you know, for better or worse, no matter what you make about his politics and what he believes, Kyrie Irving is some guys put mouth, put lip service to what they believe. Kyrie follows through, right? You know, when he cares about Standing Rock, he goes to Standing Rock. When he doesn't want to get vaccinated, he lights millions of dollars on fire and says, I will not play. So if Kyrie, and this is one of the, the dangers inherent to this, if Kyrie decides, I don't want to play basketball anymore, this isn't worth it to me anymore, I think I want to do other things, he might just do that. If he has something in his head over the next few years and he says, this is more important to me and I will not back down, the threat of you won't work again does not scare him, especially if they guarantee him. Yeah, maybe he, you know, if you guarantee him a four-year max, this happens two years into the deal, maybe he says, all right, I just got you know, two more years of big payday, I'm done, I'm out, right? You know, same goes for the fact of, you know, when we think about on-court issues, will, you know, inherently, these two guys will have to figure out how to play together. I am optimistic they will make that work, but if there is the idea of, well, Kyrie, you might have to change his twin. Kyrie Irving just decided what he was on the sixth best team in the NBA, playing next to a player who right now, Kevin Durant might be better than Luka Doncic, right? One of the 12 best players who play basketball, still operating his prime, Kyrie looked at that situation and said, now my, what I want for my own interests supersedes this enough that I will just force my way off this when I can run the title right here, right now with Kevin Durant in my prime. And that's his choice, right? But it just underscores the fact that Kyrie, a lot of guys might be motivated enough to win to say, you know what, play it out. I can win a ring right now. And let's just go after the year, worry about the contract. And instead, it was Kyrie deciding this situation doesn't work for me. I will get out, get out however I have to get out. Who's to say that doesn't happen in the future, right? So we are, we are operating as though Kyrie thinks like every other NBA player, and Kyrie does not. The second tier to this, Tim, what you brought up about the, the question of does Kyrie's offense outweigh the defensive loss that is Dorian Fiddy Smith, which is substantial, it is, it is not good that – you know, I think when this when this came out 48 hours ago, I think the widespread assumption was probably going to be if you're getting Kyrie Irving, based on everything we'd seen out there in the market, you're going to deal with the Kyrie questions and you're going to deal with all the intangible questions, but you will do so at a cost that shouldn't damage you on a basketball level. 
And the problem with this isn't just that you're inheriting all of the Kyrie questions. It's that you're not even, you know, you are for as much as they might improve certain aspects of their offense. We already talked about the fact that they don't have more ball handling after this deal. They have one less player to trust in the rotation and now they are worse defensively. So you are taking a hit on the basketball side of this and you are inheriting the Kyrie questions. And that's why the pressure to make this work is astronomical because, you know, if, there were, if, if this were a lower, I, I, to me, as I've sat here, I turned this over my head for the last hour. I think if it were, if this isn't say Dallas had this option, right? We, you know, Dallas made the deal that they made, but I think this would probably go over better from a basketball standpoint if it were two out of three of Dinwiddie, the first rounder, and Dorian. I think you pay two of those three, we're probably having a different conversation. When you trade your best defensive player, you trade your only other ball handler who's good, and you trade one of those precious first round picks, and we all know how valuable those are to Dallas given the Porzingis deal. And you have hoops questions, and you inherit the Kyrie questions. Man, it's it's a lot. It is really a lot, and that is what's going to sit very uneasy for, frankly, a very long period of time, right? Because again, this will probably go well this year, so it's not going to make anybody feel better, you know. Come June, nobody's going to feel better about this until what? Two years down the road, if it works. Three? Are we sure that anyone will ever feel better about this, short of the winning an NBA title and saying, "All right, it worked"? I don't. I don't know. You know, I'm a little bit partial to this this line of thinking is that the Mavericks didn't know what star would become available, which ones they could realistically be bidders for. But they knew that they could trade for Kyrie. They just did, you know, <laughs> and saying, OK, we're going to go get the star. We're going to see if it works and we'll if it doesn't, we can. There's still time on Lucas contract to try to, you know, course correct before the big question of will Luca resign in Dallas happen they're at least getting that timeline started now now it becomes much more difficult and we'll get to this in a little bit to start retooling you know without Spencer Dinwiddie without uh uh Dorian Finney-Smith um to trade without all of the future first round picks that they would have had available after the draft um, it, it does get more complicated. Of course it does. But I, I do think some of the thinking here is like, let's go get a very talented player and let's get this, you know, next phase started. And if, you know, like I said, at least if it doesn't work, there's still time, you know, like, like the next phase was going to start at some point. And maybe there is a player that would have made more sense in the future, but that's the future. And that's unknowable. And the idea that they knew right now that they could go trade for Kyrie and that they they did, I, I think partly indicates to me just the idea that, okay, we're not going to wait around with Luca anymore or wait till the perfect thing to come up. You know, kind of a, a, uh, a paralysis by indecision. Um, you know, that is something that they wanted to avoid. And, and I do have some respect for that. That said, the reason this situation came up, I think it's, it has to be said, is that they did not resign Jalen Brunson. And to go even further back, different front office. The KP trade is really what built to this point that they were in a holding pattern, that there was a level of stasis that caused them to have to kind of wade through the past couple of years. Granted, one of those years, they went to the conference finals, but you know, they, they, they did not have team building moves necessarily available to them, um, you know, until they moved on from KP and then things got even more limited. And the idea that they had to go get another, you know, a, a second star, another ball handler, a better ball handler 
a shot creator than Spencer Dinwiddie. That came up because they didn't sign or, you know, re-sign Jalen Brunson, everything about that situation. So I think where I'm at uh, analyzing where this is, you know, we're still just a few hours away from it. Uh, my thoughts are, you know, I'm still putting together thoughts and, and you know, kind of trying to figure out what I decide of this. But I think based off the situation they're in, I don't hate it. I think it's a gamble. I think I think it's there's a lot of ways it might not work out. I think it complicates where the team goes from here if it doesn't work out, obviously. But if you were going to get started, go do it now for a player that, you know, if it works out, is going to be great here. It's just a matter of that, to some degree, there is self-inflicted wounds that they're making up for by making this trade. You know, that's why they're in the position that they had to. Yeah, I mean, they they had to do this trade because they didn't sign Brunson and they, they messed up that negotiation. And they have a very slim margin for error. And I think moving forward, this trade will actually, I think, be defined by the moves they do before the deadline. I th- I don't think Christian will be a Maverick after the deadline. Don't think Tim Hardaway Jr. will be a Maverick either. And I think those two trades are going to really define what this roster looks like and how well this Kyrie trade works moving forward. Because if they can swing the right roofs, if they can get somebody that's 80% of Dorian, if they can swing a Jay Crowder, if they can swing a Nicholas Batum, someone like that, it makes this, this makes the trade much more feasible and much better because you're not losing an entire rotation player and a very important wing defender. Um, but it's going to be really important that they get this next trade before the deadline right because they need to make sure that they have – they can play defense. That's really like – as long as they can defend, they can they can make a finals run, but they have to make the right trade and find the right piece to really make their defense work. Yeah, and you know, as negative as I have been to this point of the show, look – the, the the silver lining here is you have the best guy on the title team. You have the second best guy on the title team who is only 30 and has a little less mileage in his likes than some other guys because of all the games he sat out the last year and a half, right? And you still have the 25 and the 27 first rounders. And that lets you buy, you know, it won't buy this you. summer, this it'll be the 2024 and 2026 24, first rounders, yeah, which are sure. even nearer correct. and thus more value. And yeah, they get 2027 as well. Yeah. Well, not if they if they reverse 24 and 26. Yes. Yeah. 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 So yes. it could be 28, right? No, you know, you can't do 28 because you have 29. The point is you have two the two more immediate first rounders, which are more valuable. Presuming they don't move one or both this week, you know, who knows, right? A lot can go down, but presume you don't. You still have two more picks, you still have all your swaps. So you can do something of substance. It isn't getting a superstar unless, you know, who knows? Maybe Jaden Hardy gets really good in the next two years. You flip that with picks. The point is you didn't. You didn't close off all your avenues. This is not a Rudy Gobert trade where all your assets are gone. There is a world in which Kyrie Irving resigns here and is a model citizen the way he has been since November in Brooklyn. Read trade requests, right? Let's say he is getting along with everybody. He's 30. He has a lot of ball left. Luka Doncic is happy. Luka Doncic stays. You have assets to work with. That team can win. That team can win everything you want. But it is so precarious. And we sit here and we we look at the basketball aspects of it, but we've seen this guy do this in three situations. Three different times he has been in really good situations. Every time it ends badly. And every time there is collateral damage. And the collateral damage here, I mean, it, it's not just collateral damage. It's all three times. Those three teams are going to be radically reshaped after Kyrie Irving is gone, right? Cleveland trades Kyrie. 
what we see today of the Cavaliers is very different than those Cavaliers when Ka- from when Kyrie was there. We look at what Boston is after getting rid of Kyrie. Notably different roster-wise. We look at what Brooklyn will be. Ky- Kevin Durant's gone now. Kevin Durant isn't staying after this. He's out. So the risk is it's not just that you lost assets. It's that, yes, maybe you could retool. Maybe there was a way to sell us to Luca. And I agree with you, Tim, that it, if you're going to do something that's risky, you do it now when you have more time left of the contract. But it could also completely, we can envision a world in which Luca looks at this guy and it doesn't go well. And he looks at Jalen Brunson leaving for nothing. And he looks at the Porzingis trade not working. And he's like, why am I doing this? Why am I here? And for this to work, you know, and I don't know if this, I don't know how fair this is or this isn't, right? Because people are different and front offices are different and players are different, right? So how fair is it to say that all of the character-based gambles this team has made rarely work out for them? But at the same time, the character-based gambles this team have, has made or the injury risk gambles they've made, the big swings they've taken, they haven't worked out. Yeah, I think they haven't worked out and it's just another gamble. I mean, there's... There are no guarantees with this. There's nothing, there's no evidence, there's no data that you can provide that will say, hey, it's going to work out for this specific reason, or it's going to work out because of A, B, and C. He is a truly unpredictable and unknowable variable. And that's that's the position that they're in, and that's the gamble they have to make. If it works out, it could work out great. It could also it could end in shambles. But I think Tim, Tim was right in that you need to make this risk now. And at least they've made this risk and left space for them to make more risks or take more swings in the offseason with the rest of their picks and Josh Green or Jaden Hardy or whatever else you need to do to get maybe a secondary star or a secondary high-level role player. And so at least they're not back into a corner. They're not in a Minnesota situation, but they're they're here because they messed up things in the past and that they haven't built this team properly around Luka. And they were the only team in the NBA that was really willing to make a deal like this. And it's going to be interesting to see the one thing that we can say, though, watching Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving every night is going to be very entertaining. It will yes. it will paper over a lot of uncertainty because there will be a lot. The highs will be very high. We don't know how low the lows will be, but we will get a lot of very good highs. I think that's a good way to put it. And um, I think we'll probably be back pretty soon this week. You know, <laughs> like like this is not the last time we're going to talk about this, uh, believe it or not. Uh, there's a lot more to unpack here. There's a lot more to to go through. Um, there are certainly things left unsaid on on just you know this podcast. Quick, uh, you know, initial impressions of of what we're thinking, what we're hearing, all of that. But again, Kyrie Irving is a Texan. What a time! Ted Cruz is thrilled. <laughs> on that note, um, I'll have a piece kind of talking a little bit more about what this represents to the Dallas Mavericks and why they did this deal and where they go from here uh, later today, uh, Sunday evening on The Athletic. And like I said, podcast soon. And until then, we'll see ya. He plays Fortnite just like me. I am 34. Don't fight the future, honey. Don't fight the future, the future is Luca, Big Dick Donchich from the home of Melania Trump. How many kids you hit? Don't fight the future, it tears me apart. Don't fight the future.
picture Please be nice to Luca Future four-time MVP Oh my God! Oh! Shut it down! Let's go home! It's a wrap, Doug! That is a wrap. Woo!